Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. I want to be a man, man cub, and stroll right into town and be just like the other men. I'm tired of walking around. Oh, ooby-doo. I want to be like you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello. I'm, I'm slightly more relaxed than last week. I, only slightly, <laughs> but slightly. Is it because I played I Want to Be Like You from The Jungle Book? <laughs> I, no, it's definitely slightly less afraid of death for uh world reasons and because we're not talking about final destination 2 this time true <laughs> we also have bill graham ooh, 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 ooh. awesome excellent thank you and with us today to talk or, or about should it should have been should have been ooh, 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 in in honor of the song no absolutely <laughs> okay. not. Also, just, if you were going to make that joke, you should have made it like three seconds earlier. How dare yeah. you interrupt me to ask that? <laughs> <laughs> and with us today to talk oh, about God. Martin Eden, it's Ryan Swen. Hello. Thank you for having me back on. Absolutely. Uh, for anyone who didn't listen last time you were on, would you like to introduce yourself to our fine listenership? Sure. I'm a film critic, sometime contributor to the film stage and sundry other online publications. I have my own podcast, Catalyst and Witness. All right. It's consistently longer than us uh, somehow, but (laughs) unclear on how that's possible. It's because I I talk about 25 times the films. So on each episode, so it happens to shake out. Yeah, that'll do it. It's not every week. I am. Um, I've I've started uh, recording a podcast with a friend of mine that is about a TV show that has already aired, and so last week she and I recorded three episodes. Oh no, Brian! And um, luckily, you know, we're like trying to keep it to like an hour, so like that's cool. But it 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 feels very weird to finish one recording and then say, "All right, so we're doing the next one in two days." <laughs> <laughs> because uh i am used to this podcast where it's like a week you know we've had our stray times where we're like oh we should try to fit a second one in and remember when we did the round table every other week and mm-hmm. you know but like it's just weird to be like oh what's gonna happen next week i don't know listen up like you know here's where to find us online and then end recording and then be like okay so like thursday Is thursday we're gonna do this again okay cool <laughs> <laughs> But it's nice because we can bank them up. So once we bank them, then we don't have to do this uh, crazy clip. Also, I think oh. it's just a way to stay sane, in all honesty. I am not ready to announce what this podcast is yet. But once it is live, I will let people know. Woo! Yeah. So there's your cryptic plug from Brian J. Rowan. <laughs> um, and as I said, we're here to talk about Martin Eden, uh, the new film from director Pietro Marcello. And um, before we get into that, the usual uh, nonsense. We uh, can be found on Twitter, at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. And, of course, you can email us, podcast at thefilmstage.com, and go on to uh, your your podcatcher of choice and uh, give us a comment and a rating on iTunes. We are also uh, brought to you by our fine patrons. 
over at patreon.com slash the film stage show for as little as $1 an episode you can give to us your money so that we can produce great content like this you also get access to our slack channel and first crack at all of our raffles and such and we're brought to you by movie movie the curated streaming service showcases exceptional films from around the globe every single day movie debuts a brand new film for you to watch and enjoy in the comfort of your own home you can download them to watch on the go they have a library section with hundreds of other films that you can check out in addition to their featured films it's really awesome it's really great and they help us come to you one of the films that they have coming out queen of hearts winner of the prestigious audience award at Sundance in 2019, this provocative domestic drama from Denmark echoes at once the self-reflexive nature of a Douglas Sirk melodrama and the slow-burning tension of a Hitchcockian thriller. A true filmmaking feat starring actor-songwriter Trini Dryholm. So, if you would like to check out that or any of the other great films that are on Mubi, uh, for instance, last week we talked about The Hills Have Eyes, you can uh, go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial. Again, your ears do not deceive you. You can get a free 30-day trial of movie by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. And that's that. All front matter taken care of. Uh, do we have anything to talk about before we launch into our review of Martin Eden? Uh, I don't think so. We, we have a new president. <laughs> No, we don't. We have a new president-elect. Bill, do you not understand how this democracy works? (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. No, let's not do this. I can't do this. You can't can't do me yelling at Bill about the intricacies of our electoral process. Very stupid intricacies. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, here's the thing, Michael. Would you prefer it if they like had to change immediately? <laughs> yes. Can you imagine? Just kick him out. CNN's <laughs> called it for Biden. Trump's got to leave like right now, and this is like, oh shit. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, there's a chicken in the oven. You're gonna want to baste it in an hour and then pull it in an hour and a half. It's just a hotel. You got to be out by 11:30. <laughs> No check continental breakfast. Fuck yeah, off. <laughs> as soon as it's called, you gotta go. Because if the other guy shows up, you gotta be his servant for 12 days. <laughs> Is that a rule somewhere? Yeah. Anything that you leave in the White House after you've left becomes property of the White House. <laughs> so it's like me whenever I would move into a new home, like in college and post-college. And it was just like, so... Trevor left his bed, uh, so if you want Trevor's bed, you you can have Trevor's bed. Uh, Trevor was in the room that you're living in, and like I said, he left his bed. So if you want Trevor's bed, it's in there. It's like, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so that's that. Good was times. Trevor's bed okay? I, I need to know. You was it lumpy? Trevor too many times. So the bed frame was fine. I threw out the mattress. <laughs> so the essential part of the bed well i just i had a mattress from my last place so i was like you oh, know well, i don't but go. and and each place i went i'm like i'm not moving that bed frame so when i bought a house it was oh, weirdly yeah. the first time i ever bought a house the first time i ever bought a bed frame yeah i gotcha my house didn't come with a bed frame uh i should have forced them to move out faster so they would have left theirs anyway <laughs> let's <laughs> I love how a stray statement about the election has turned into a trip down memory lane.
for Brian's iterant existence before he bought a house with my millions That's and millions of dollars. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's get... let's let's see them tax returns, Brian. <laughs> give into the bits, Brian. Give I in. did give into the bit. I just claimed to be a millionaire. <laughs> Just makes sense. Uh, somewhere in my house, my manservant is gingerly brushing my dog. Um, <laughs> dog. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, wait. Did you say good dog or did you no, say? No, your dog. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I would dog. assume it'd be like brushing like a, sh- a bookshelf or something like that. Not- oh, yeah. No, <laughs> dusting and stuff. Dog. No, no, no. The maids come in the morning. The manservant awesome. is for random tasks that I deem I need. Sometimes I have him eat my cereal for me. Anyway, uh, it's gone too far. We've gone too far. Let's talk about Martin Eden. Only only when it becomes soggy cereal. <laughs> and you don't want to waste it. Oh, no. I poured this bowl of Raisin Bran two minutes ago, and now I can't tell. Is it stale or did the milk just get to it? So, Jeeves, can you take a bite of this and let me know? Is this stale or is this just normal milk sog? Anyway. <laughs> Oh my god, what are we doing? All right, Martin Eden is on uh digital rental now uh in in what are we what are they called? Like uh virtual yeah, cinemas. Virtual cinemas, yes. Um again, directed by Pietro Marcello. This is based off of the novel by Jack London and here is the trailer. <laughs> Ho deciso che voglio essere come voi, parlare come voi, pensare come voi. All right, so hopefully everyone was able to pick up on the plot from that trailer because I will not be giving a breakdown. All right, fine. Someone breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Eden is a uh, laborer who decides that he wants to move above his caste through the twin uh, paths of education and writing. And uh, this movie charts his successes and failures and his loves and his losses and uh, his time as a celebrity in a minor way in a newspaper, amongst other things. Let's talk about it. We begin, as always, with our guest, Heinz Wen. What did you think of Martin Eden? Well, this is a film I did specifically request this from uh, from Michael because I do think that generally uh, this is, I think, one of the most significant and I think greatest films of the past decade. I think that it is a really astonishing achievement in the way it manages to marry Marcello's previous career, which was, or not previous career, but sort of his past work, which was primarily as sort of a, documentarian or as a sort of working between in a hybrid sort of form between documentary and fiction into this sort of more overtly fictional more narrative work i think it is in, in manages that it manages that incredibly but also i think that just standing on its own as the way it's able to depict the way in which in which um education and the desire to better oneself is inevitably shaped and in, in some cases corrupted by by other sociocultural forces impeding on it. I th- and I think that it, for reasons that we'll certainly get into, I think it is just a absolutely astonishing piece of work. I adore it so, so much. It's a masterpiece for me. All right, Bill Graham. 
Sure. Um, so I really did not enjoy this movie in certain respects. Um, I think that uh, I'll keep this short for now, but I think that the way that it treats women in particular uh, is definitely reflected of the fact that this is a 1909 novel uh, by Jack London. Um I'm not sure how much of this kind of bleeds over from uh, the original novel because I was reading and uh, obviously there are some uh, name changes and things of that nature. Uh, but there's also some character motivations that seem uh, very different. Um, I think there's even like a lesbian romance uh in the middle of it. So uh, that is not carried over into Martin Eden, the film. Um <clears throat> But I did find most of what is going on in this film to be uh, really like radically interesting and uh, fun to watch, just kind of Martin Eden's journey um, throughout the film. But again, I think uh, the way that it treats its female characters in particular is uh, – I don't know. I, I – I just I just found it really really off putting, um, but that being said, I still enjoyed the film uh, for the most part uh, with that big caveat, uh, you know, added onto it. So, all right, Michael Snydell. Yeah, this one's <clears throat> this one's complicated, and it's it's thornier than uh, I'd like to grapple with immediately after watching a couple hours ago. So I guess I guess what I'd say is yeah like uh, Martin Eden I I have like no qualms about saying that he's pretty loathsome uh, loathsome loathsome as a person uh, and not necessarily in terms of his his uh, writings and, and beliefs there are certain merits to things that he thinks and there's also a certain uh, ignorance and uh, a certain extreme that he adopts. But I think the ways that this communicates um, uh, uh, an ideology that's, that's being built, even if it's, uh, you know, full of holes in a way and um, uh, lacking in humanity, <laughs> one might say, I, I think that there is something really fascinating in the ways that it's both able to reflect some of his internal changes like this this film very much starts in like a a very classical like pygmalion way you, you know whether you want to go back to that original uh, work or it's or it's many many other um uh things following it you know everything from uh, my fair lady to uh other things that i can't recall but i, I either way I, I think it's really interesting that this starts with this and it, you think it's going to be about this interesting idea idea of uh you know what enlightenment could mean and very quickly like he becomes uh you know a megalomaniac and, and he becomes arrogant about things and almost you know starts you know uh thinking that the 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 education that he's reading which is like very very valid <laughs> for the most part there's there's some things that you know it was it was uh, funny because slightly before this uh we were reading up about uh, jack london and brian and i were shortly discussing that um 
uh, Jack Quantum believed in eugenics, and there is certainly some social Darwinism uh, going on here in both directions uh, in terms of uh, class ideas. But, like, all of that is to say that is just the tip of the iceberg because the original book was actually meant to be a counter to an individualism, and yet people interpreted it as for individualism. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, weird misinterpretations that come on before you get into the fact that this film is interspersed with almost what could be seen as archival footage, but has color codes that seem to suggest other things. You have a monochromatic kind of uh, a sepia uh, toned. Um, sometimes they feel like flashbacks. Sometimes they seal, seem like an idealist perception. Sometimes they just seem like nostalgic. But then you also have a certain uh, amber-colored flash, uh, amber-colored uh, cutaways as well. And then you also have these out-of-focus uh, sequences as well. So I think that this film is weird because I, I think there's a way you could make it into a more familiar structure. But I, I think it's that uh, docufiction background um, and uh, a certain um, a certain strangeness in the filmmaking that makes this a lot thornier than what it seems. And I think it's to its credit that I went back and forth on whether uh, this movie feels like its character is full of shit or not. And, and to respond briefly to Bill, uh, I think this movie truly thinks everything that he does to women is disgusting. Um, like, I really do think that for whatever possible value and foundations of Martin Eden's beliefs, um, I, I think it sees him as an egomaniac within the first half an hour. Uh, so, yeah, this didn't totally work for me, but I, I found it pretty fascinating throughout and uh, Luca Marinelli is such a magnetic presence that I was almost able to go along with it even when I wondered like why are people helping him <laughs> like why is this woman <laughs> taking pity on him in the train so yeah I I don't know what to make of the politics whatsoever but I will say I don't think it's as simple as any single lens. <laughs> That's my very cowardly way of saying, I don't know what's totally going on here, but I think it's interesting. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was deeply not in love with this film. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I watched this and I just, in the, the whole time I was just like, maybe this is just the wrong time for this movie for me. Like, I'm just not feeling it at all. I was, I was, um, I hesitate to say bored because that's a very lazy criticism, but I was not at all engaged by this film, whether it be its characters or its ideas or its aesthetics. And, uh, yeah, if, if you had, if, if someone had like told me that this was going to be like two hours of, of a guy, you know, trying to better himself and becoming worse and people screaming about politics, I would have, uh, I would have just begged off from this podcast because of this weekend 
of all weekends. This was like settling into this was like settling into a cold bath after nearly freezing to death. And it was just not, (laughs) it's just like, Oh good. More of this, but like, you know, just not even as, as immediate or intense. Um, I, yeah, I just, I was really not a fan of this movie and, uh, I guess we could talk about it more as we get into it. I'm, I'm glad that we have Ryan on here who is, uh, apparently (laughs) unapologetically totally on this movie's side. (laughs) <laughs> um, I know that last week we had a uh, Bill Gabiri who thinks this is one of the best movies of the year. And, uh, you know, so that exists. You, you all Jordan Rop as well. I think this is his number one. Yeah. Right but now. what does his opinion mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's my number one as well. Uh, this is crazy. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> there have been, there have been movies this year. You're aware of that, right? That even though there was a pandemic, like movies still came out this year. Yes, I'm like, a lot of movies. I can vouch for him. Ryan has seen <laughs> a lot of movies this year. <laughs> if only there was a podcast where he talked about a lot of them all at once. I uh, actually don't I actually don't I haven't talked about this one or many of them, but oh, okay. uh, I, um I uh, and I, I the one thing I did anyone go in so I come home from the distillery today and I'm like I got to watch Martin Eden. Jack London. I like him. Maybe it'll be good. White Fang, you know, Call of the Wild. <laughs> I'm a fan. Um, and so I go to my room to watch this and my daughter's like, Hey, or well, you know, she doesn't talk like this, but I'm not about to pretend to be my four year old daughter. Um, what are you doing? And I'm like, I got to watch this movie. And she's like, well, you know, are we going to watch Moana? And I was like, no, first of all, we're not watching this movie together. I'm watching this movie together. Go hang out with your mom. I don't want to hang out with my mom. Well, you know, and so I was like, let me let me look at this, you know, let's see what this movie is. And I look it up and I go to find the rating because I'm like, if it's even PG-13, I can just like she can sit in my room and do whatever. It says it's TV PG. Can anyone like give me an idea? I mean, it's of- Italian, so it might yeah. not have the same uh, MPAA situation. Okay. As- I feel like a lot of films that play mostly in art houses don't have the you know sort of standard mpa I, this is like i feel like this is the first time i've ever seen one that has a tv rating like they're either not rated i feel like the mpaa especially in art houses and stuff like they still exist but anyway like you know i so i just saw tv pg and i was like uh-huh and then of course like three minutes in there's like i guess a pg rated sex scene <laughs> i was like uh son of a bitch screwed by the italians again in so many ways um i have an update about my current podcasting situation my dog has pried my door open to my study (laughs) she is in here now and my cat came in and then my neighbor's cat who is apparently also in my house also came in (laughs) which of them are socialists and which of them are individualist? <laughs> so I'm going to say that the cats are pretty socialist, uh, you know, politically. But like if you got them together at a party, they'd be pretty individualist. And I think my dog is legitimately apolitical. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, the snake Undecided is, is uh, fascist. I have no idea. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Please, shut up. You don't even belong to me. I need to get these animals out of my room. We're taking yes. a two-second pause. <laughs> okay, fine. Everybody out. Go. Jeez. You too. And I'm back. 
I'm just saying it's Cora likes this even Moana, uh, even more than Moana, and it's her new movie, right? She had a lot of questions. Um, first, she was like. <laughs> Uh, I, w- I was going to say, uh, Brian, we voted and uh, that has to stay into the podcast. Oh, it's all staying. Yeah, I'm not editing yeah. these things anymore. I'm too tired. <laughs> um, Anyways. It, it, since Michael maybe jokingly asked, Cora was deeply confused. I don't know that she knows what language is yet in terms of like <laughs> other people having them, you know? So like, so she was... She was not picking up on what was happening, and she kept asking why people were doing certain things. And I was like, "Kid, I just started watching this movie too. I don't know." <laughs> and then at some point, she was like, "I want to watch True and Bartleby," and I was like, "I'm not. I have to watch this. Go downstairs. Talk to your mom. She's here ostensibly to be with you. Can you? I don't want to hang out with mom. You don't have to hang out with her. Just get her to turn on the TV, Cora." Uh, the movie became less interesting once my daughter wasn't there to ask me questions about it. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that's my opinion. I can't wait to have to try to edit that whole section that we just had where <laughs> I go into detail about my daughter's reaction to Martin Eden and also get attacked by animals. <laughs> it's going to be fun. So uh, I'm curious, um, Ryan, having heard our responses to it as a person who who has this film currently inexplicably as their number one of the year, what are your <laughs> reactions to our reactions? Like, can you see the ways in which we are approaching this or does this like blindside you? No, not especially. Like, I definitely think that it is like I was for one thing when it, when the release when it was released and I saw like across the board very strong reviews i was not necessarily totally surprised but it was like a pleasant surprise i think that it's a film by its very nature that exists in sort of in the middle between sort of like a one that's that's quite accessible like an art house film within that art house continuum one that's quite accessible and one that's much more on the obscure side i think that it exists like at that exact midpoint because it has such a because the fundamental narrative and the and you know the the presence of con- conventional star actors i think marinelli i think he has that exact sort of star presence that can anchor a film like this on the one hand it has that but also it has all of marcello's more experimental touches and just the way in which his aesthetics sort of intermix and 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 color the way in which the the narrative and the and the sort of thematic transformation it takes i think that it sort of exists in the middle so i i can definitely see people going towards one end or the other of loving or sort of being befuddled by it i definitely will not claim to necessarily get you know like totally understand every single thing that takes place within it i i don't claim to say that it has an ironclad sort of sensibility or an ironclad approach but i think that's exactly what makes it so powerful and moving and exciting for me is because it never settles on one particular thing it's always darting from one approach to the next or one sort of one shot to the next basically i think so it it makes sense it just means i have uh more work cut out for me (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to, I like, you know, as far as more work could have for you, like, you're not going to convince me this is a good movie. So no, don't, bother, don't bother with me. I'm a, 
I don't this mind is, about that. <laughs> this isn't one of those things where I'm going to be like, you know, I'd really like to interrogate this and maybe I'll enjoy it more. Like, I just think specifically this is a movie not for me. Not for, not like, you know, and I say like, oh, maybe this isn't the right time. But the more I think about it, I don't think there'd ever be a good time. I just don't. <laughs> this movie strikes like every single thing that I just don't want in a movie <laughs> all at I will, once. <laughs> I will say that I did. This was actually my second time viewing it. I watched it last night. Uh, it, the first time was actually last year. There was a sort of, not necessarily preview screening, but like a sort of Italian showcase sort of like mini festival mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. So I saw it in a theater um, and I loved it just as much then. So I, I wouldn't, so I obviously can't account for any uh, sort of intersections with, if this sort of intersections it has with the present state of affairs I can't say if it would necessarily affect it adversely or, or in a positive sense, but I, but just worth noting. I mean, that is interesting. I, it's been that long, and you come back to it, and you're still like, nope, holds up. So that's that's <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting too, Brian, that you mentioned the election because I I think what is interesting to me about this movie. <laughs> Bill, the Johnny the, Toe movie. Bill is the uh, one who brought up the fact that we have a quote new president end quote and is now asking what election. But by the way, the second uh, election is a masterpiece as well. Yes, just to, just to yes. plug that. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, uh, twenty twenty four. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Um, uh, broken this week. Uh, no, what I would say though, Brian, is it's it's really interesting to me that you mentioned the election because I think that a lot of conversations in this uh, are are very rarely about the the content of its of its politics in a weird way. I, I mean, I feel like very early on, one thing that I was interested interested in is uh for a little while this dabbles with this idea of uh that he doesn't have a formal education and that he's had experiences he's been a sailor um he's been a sailor for most of his life you know uh he's you know a lower class person who gets into a lot of uh rumbles with people <laughs> over different things yeah like, you know he's he, snapping he's, a, he's doing high kicks he's getting in rumbles <laughs> He's he's very he's a very scrappy archetype, but I, I I feel like very early on he very uh, he decides that that experience doesn't matter and that like the things that he believes in is is like at its heart like beauty and ugliness, but mainly <laughs> ugliness. Like there's a there's a strange thing because I think this film. Uh, as it exists is incredibly empathetic uh, towards Italians. Um, but I, I don't think that Martin Eden is, is very empathetic. I, I think he's uh, tragic and interesting for how he feels more and more alienated from something that consumes him and how he projects that onto Elena which I would make the argument that I don't really even think he's in love with Elena. Um, so I, I guess that's all to say that, like, I really wasn't thinking about the content of politics in this because so much of this film feels like it's him trying to be the smartest guy 
in the room and it's very clearly working with realistic tenets of, of the time. And there's uh, particularly a, a really interesting moment where uh, Brescendon, I believe that's how you say his name, um, his, you know, kind of uh, self-loathing elitist best friend is like, revolution is coming, you need to write about that. And he seems totally unequipped at like viewing his fellow man at, at a certain point. Like uh, to me, this movie is about at a certain point, someone who no longer understands who he used to be or even the people he lived with his, his entire life. Like uh, I, I jokingly put on letterbox, like this movie's like losing my religion. <laughs> like that's, that's what this movie reads to me. It's a, it's a loss of faith in anything that matters to the point that when he can potentially succeed in a classical way, it doesn't mean jack shit. I, I, I can see how that, I, I do want to say, I can see how that could be seen as useless or pointless to someone though. But I found that arc really compelling through uh, Marcelo's eyes. Uh, I have some qualms about this movie, but I, I will say that that's kind of my feeling about the politics in this. I'm sure there are many others who think it's far more rich in terms of its specific politics. But. I mean, per- personally, I find its its politics to be not rich, like very shallow. Like I, I watched this movie and like midway through, I was like, oh, I get it. This is a movie about the dangers of educating people like it's it really seems like if this guy had just never been told like if you want to be super cool you need to get an education he would have just kept working kept drinking kept sleeping with waitresses and like been fine and then instead he he went and got educated and turned into like a right-wing youtube troll and (laughs) like with the just the same level of like oh i understand everything now and uh socialism is a big in vogue so i'm not for that and <clears throat> I but just I don't, don't know if it's about the dangers of educating. I mean, I I kind of say dangers way. in in a in a joking way, but like you know, it's just like sure. oh god, if everyone who went to college turned out to be Martin Eden, what a terrible world this would be. I know some English majors like uh, Martin Eden. Let oh, me no, say I know. that. I, like, were, I know. I know oh, a lot of this people. This reminded me. This reminded <laughs> me of some people. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I mean, this <laughs> film. This film definitely like like speaks to that because there is there is that dinner table scene where. They, he basically is called out for the book that he he read um, that has given him a lot of insights and kind of uh, his his Herbert own Spencer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the Spencer novel. And, and you know, it, that's kind of thrown in his face. Um, but it is interesting that he also comes from being able to show like what his upbringing has kind of taught him and, and things of that nature. But um, no, I, I think. I think where this film kind of loses me is he is given multiple opportunities to get a leg up um, in terms of working for someone else, uh, maybe getting a a handout here or there, uh, things of that nature. And every single time he rebukes it with like his entire body. Um, It is it is throws away that card, for instance. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're verging on, on spoiler territory at this point, but, um, 
I, I I don't know how much we can really talk about this film without going into depths and details. Um, but that being said, again, uh, you know, if if you're averse to spoilers, you may want to go ahead and, and figure out whether you want to see this movie or not based on our initial impressions. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he turns away any opportunity that's kind of a a golden goose in a way or a golden egg what, whatever metaphor you want to kind of throw that lays here. the golden egg sure exactly uh golden goose fuck um anyways um yeah so i mean he's he is not trying to help himself in this struggle and and i'm familiar with artists that do this kind of thing but i'm also familiar with artists that have a very rich history um i mean we talked about a film earlier this year that i can't remember the name of um the low budget sci-fi film uh what what was that the vasta knights yeah the vasta knight so that guy's whole uh kind of iteration of how he got that film off the ground was he made promos for the Oklahoma City Thunder among other things and made a bunch of money doing that put that money towards his movie right so he's taking a commercial enterprise to build up some kind of you know uh what is it cachet right uh monetary cachet and then he turns that into a movie like that seems like the obvious thing, and it is funny because Martin ends up doing that same shit. You know, he he at some point is shoveling out this uh, this uh, uh, farmhouse, and you know, yeah, he's he's shoveling coal. He's working with his hands and doing all this manual labor shit when the writing doesn't quite take off as fast as he wants it to, and so he's still relying. On all of these commercial enterprises, he's just not. I guess, I guess he would say he's not selling his soul, right? And mm. it it just makes me shake my head because it's 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 just one of those things where you need freedom, you need free time to be. And I think this film kind of argues it to be um, a, a a artist, right? You need to have some kind of free time to have your brain kind of you know, not be on work mode or things like that. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think, I think that's when this film started to kind of lose me was he, he just turns down good opportunities left and right. Well, I don't, I, like, you know, I just like this guy, this friggin' guy, he, he's like the reason I chose the song that I chose, uh, at the beginning of this, um, is that he, there's a point when he's like talking to this girl who he's met because he like helped her brother out during a fight. And he's like, yeah, I just want to like learn to talk like you and be like you and you know, all this other stuff. And she's <laughs> like, then get educated. Like, what, what are we talking about? Like, get out of here and yeah, go get an education. Like, that's what you got to do. And, um, she makes it sound incredibly easy as well. Right. She's like, well, you know, what do you, just go to college or something, you imbecile. So he he like goes he goes and he he does that. <coughs> Another problem I have with this movie is the fact that like every time someone says you got to go do something, he goes and he does it, and we don't get to see him do it. Um, like I, like in what 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 sense? I don't like you know it just I don't feel like we ever see him like 
studying like we see him buying books but we don't see like we don't we don't seem to i don't feel as though we really see a lot of the interstitials of him like having achieved or working to achieve the things that he wants to achieve we get a lot of rejection letters i I, I don't want him to read a book in front of us though that's that's not what i want there are ways to do that in an interesting way uh, without i think that's what marcello does in the film i think that like the film is all about the way in which it's the way it's constructed in which in the way in which the sort of how in terms of just scene by scene sometimes montage by montage i think the way in which there is this the flow of images and combines with the flow of what he's experiencing at that moment i think it gives that impression that of learning of absorbing material of slowly uh, engaging this sort of intellect that had been heretofore uh, untapped. I think that the film, I never felt that the film was skimping out on those sort of moments. I think the film is composed entirely of moments like that. Uh, but do you, I, I, Ryan, I, the question I have then is do you, I, I agree to an extent there, but do you feel that Marcelo and the uh, the screenwriter who I, I just realized actually did uh, Gamora and, and Piranha, mm-hmm. which, which which explains uh, quite a bit for me. But um, do you think that the film thinks that I, I don't like the word earned because I feel like sure. we're getting into, we're getting into sure. our own weird class mm-hmm. like <laughs> condescension here in a way. But I'm just saying there is a certain aspect to me that read like, uh, you know, something like happy, like Lazaro or Barry Lyndon. Like there's a certain amount of, he believes he owns the room. So he owns the room. And I feel like you, you don't always get a sense that he's super well versed. And and you do get that interesting scene, you know, where he's trying to get an apprenticeship and, you know, they're asking for, I can't remember what it is. It's something about Greek gods. I believe the um, seven Kings of Rome. Mm-hmm. Yes. The seven Kings of Rome. And he says like more than seven immediately. And then they ask two other, like completely different eras. Uh, and he doesn't know, he doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I think the weird thing about this, and I think, again, it it makes it interesting and it adds another weird layer, but I really... I, I really don't think this film believes he knows what he's talking about. I really just kind of see him uh, see it as him thinking he's kind of full of shit. I, I'm, I'm curious, do you see otherwise there? I think that the film fundamentally, I, I, I do think it's more sympathetic to him than, than I think, uh, I think all of, all of you think. I think that it is more, like it, it definitely sees him as a sort of tragic figure. Uh, I don't know, I, I don't know exactly the sort of boundary you have between spoiler and not spoiler. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that for I mean, now. I, but I, 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 we've been talking for ahead. a while now. I think we're yeah. Go ahead. This we can get into spoilers. Okay. Well, I think that the film is it like the the trajectory of it ultimately is not one that's extraordinarily novel that where it's his sort of decline into um into like his, his the success leads to his sort of ultimate failure and faults in becoming absorbed into that which had been, which had previously rejected him and that which he had also sort of been hesitant to embrace at the same time uh but i think that it it definitely i i don't think it necessarily sees him as 
being totally wrong. I think it sees it's the film is about the sort of tension between, say, socialism and individualism, which is all about the sort of fundamental principles that he's observed from the writings of Herbert Spencer, who was the sort of founder or sort of originator of the social Darwinism concept. And I think that it sees that there that there is this sort of unanswered question that he's trying to that he's unasked question that he's trying to both ask and answer at the same time. And it's it recognizes that they need to be said that there is this sort of fundamental hypocrisy towards the liberalism and the sort of petty bourgeois uh, status that Elena and her and her family and and their acquaintances possess. At the same time, it it recognizes that he ultimately is unable to answer that because he is beset by the sort of by the forces surrounding him. I think even though it's such a relentlessly individual film, it's so unerringly focused on him. At the same time, it recognizes that he cannot be the only thing that's important. I think it's, and that's what makes Marcello's cutaways, that's what makes all the archival footage both real and sort of uh, purposely distressed or shot for the film or for Marcello's other films, apparently. That's what makes them so key, is that it brings in all of these other ideas, all these other forces, faces, figures, into the mix and and there's also the which we haven't even gone into yet is the sort of un- uncertain setting in terms of time um of, of the film which i think is also incredibly important i, th- I, see, I do so wanna... what's, what's interesting for me is that i thought the uncertainty of the time frame was just was just poor filmmaking um and then i read that it was on purpose and i was like oh well interesting mm-hmm. but then that makes it difficult because i'm like trying to bring in my knowledge of italian history and i'm like why does it seem like the socialists in this are like a scrappy group of underdogs when like i'm almost certain that italy was at some point run by you know a communistic party and like they just like you know are we not just going to talk about like mussolini at all like what's happening like what are we doing here like what is like there's no I had no concept of him and his history and what he was doing and what his new thoughts even were for the longest time. I thought that he was just like a different kind of socialist communist. And instead, like he's not, he's like this crazed individualist. He's an individualist. But, yeah. But mm-hmm. like, it's, it's just, it's, it's, I feel like, I feel like his entire being is motivated by like, Oh, rich people live really well. How do I get that? And then he goes and gets like a small bit of education and suddenly thinks that he's like ready to tangle with these people. You know, have you all watched Succession? Yeah. I, okay. I've, I, I know yes. the, I've seen many clips. <laughs> okay. There's a, there's a character named Connie um, who is an idiot uh, as many of them are. And he goes up to a guy who's running for president at his sister's wedding and Connie is like a crazed libertarian and he basically says like three things and the, the dude running for president, like just kind of goes, uh-huh. And then walks away and Connie thinks he's won that argument and decides that he's going to run for president. And that is a lot of Martin Eden energy in this movie to me is just like, he's every time he gets like brushed aside, he's like galvanized in his correctness 
but I don't even fully understand what he is. Th- he, like he just keeps talking about like you know your your movement doesn't take into account the individual, but like where do you go with that? You're talking about like evolution and stuff, but like you're not giving me a you're you're only pushing against. You're not trying to build anything up, and therefore like his character is dull and his ideas are dull. And the fact that his ideas are always just given in opposition, and then when we finally hear them like slightly more cogently at the end, he's already skipped over like enjoying his wealth and now just hates everyone. And it's just, it's like, it's so boring to watch that. And I just like couldn't get into it. It's, it's, you know, if, is this a, is this a character study? Cause if so, lean more into character and give me more than just like, oh, he really likes that cute girl he met that one time, but now he can't be with her because he's like screaming at our family and stuff. And, and you know, if it's not that, then then really like lean into some more deep textual conversations because otherwise it just feels like I'm missing two halves to make this movie, you know, more than the, the two halves that it already is. Ryan, can you speak to, uh, you were talking about uh, some forces, and I, I want to get a, a get a sense of uh, what is a particular scene that you think uh, defines, uh, sorry, the, the, the societal limitations that, that Eden is, is facing specifically in his life, not his perception. Like, like I'm trying to get a sense of what are the objective uh, forces well, I mean, I think you're speaking about there. Just his basic sort of, you know, he starts out as a sailor. He is clearly doing a sort of itinerant laborer, going essentially all over Italy to find work so that he can survive, basically. I think that that in and of itself is a fundamental force which both characterizes him, which I think is the bedrock of his existence and the way in which he is perceived by others. Um, and though crucially not the way in which he, it's, it's definitely a significant part, but it's not the only thing that makes that, that, that forms his own perception of the world around him. I think that the way that the, the film is him starting out there, but then adding on these other different influences, whether it be Spencer, whether it be sort of just, the sort of artistic culture that he begins to that begin he begins to learn about with um, when he goes to Elena's house and reads Baudelaire or uh, listen to her play b- piano. I think that it is like those in and of, so, of themselves are forces, and they have their own effects that are that can be very that can be very significant, even if they don't necessarily even if they seem just like just like culture, just like in the as like something to be enjoyed and nothing more. I think that they in of themselves can produce a significant power, uh, but but, but it, that's only the that's the only, only the the bedrock. See, but I think the thing about that, I, and I think I'm with Brian on this particular point, is like I in a in conceptually I like the idea that you know after he's at a foundry, after you see him doing some manual labor, that more and more regularly you see him at a type writer you see him buying books you see him devoting himself to everything than what he can do to you know kind of scrape by financially so like but i guess the thing about that for me is i know you don't want to didactically show that he needs to struggle 
to coexist with this formal education. But I, I think that it then requires some jumps, for instance, why someone like Maria uh, Marie? No, Maria takes him takes him in. Like I get he's he's charismatic because mm-hmm. he's very handsome, mm-hmm. but he I, I don't I think that some of that stuff required a jump for me that I could only kind of ideologically rationalize without really understanding him as a, as a character. Like, I, I mean, I took that very much as like, so he no longer cares about experience. He believes his vision of the world, you know, he's a prophet to reflect that vision of the world, to to his fellow man and uh you know to show that to the world like to get to those two things i think i need a bridge between those Michael, i don't want to just jump uh, so i want to i want to talk about maria Please. in particular um i think that he the film does so much with the orsini family um the way that they kind of take him in and that they keep kind of having him over. Um, I think the mother at some point says that you're a very charming man, something along those lines, right? She's not just saying that he's handsome. So I think the film does enough in that sense of just giving you that situation where he's kind of, you know, uh, I'm not saying weasel, but like, ingratiated himself into that family for punching some guy that I don't even know what the fuck all that was about. Um, And so I think that's where it does enough of that groundwork to where when we get introduced to Maria and her kids that he just has to kind of smile and say a couple of lines and we're like, yeah, we get it. Right. Like, I, I think the film does enough in that sense of laying that groundwork so we don't have to see. I mean, look, I don't want to see Uncle Ben get murdered again. Right. Like, like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't need to see it over and over. Does that makes sense. Yes. But I'd say that's still a little bit confusing because she seems to be an outlier in the sense of working class because we see Martin's uh, sister's sure. husband being like, you need to. You need to you need to work. You need to pay rent. So to then have this woman who hears that he's a, a struggling writer, it, it doesn't totally make sense to me that she would uh, immediately that he would immediately ingratiate uh, be ingratiating to that family. That he wouldn't be seen as someone you know not a loser but someone who's having difficulty it's it's almost like maria i I don't know she's actually like i I think she's an interesting character and how she comes back into things but i think this might be something where i'm a little bit with brian in the sense of in the sense of time you know once you hear about a war is coming once you hear about uh you know when you go to the socialist rally like some of those things exist in a vacuum um that i i can't i can't figure out why we made some of those choices other than to to move the story along that's Mm -hmm. 
that's simple, but I, I, I hope that makes a little bit of sense. Sure. I get that. I get that counter argument and, and that's fine because yeah, I, I definitely see that he is, he bristles at people in kind of the manual labor area um, to accept their generosity just kind of wholeheartedly, right? Um, he bristles at that. But I don't know if that's mainly just simply because he's got an asshole of a brother-in-law or, you know, what's what's going on there. Although, I mean, generally, the guy seems like like he's trying to help. I, I don't know. I don't want to... He's I don't annoyed wanna... that he's not getting paid any rent, and then he's annoyed that Martin's yeah. like, I'd rather drink poison than work for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that was a yeah. shitty thing to say. He's an asshole. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what the background there is, but it seems like there's more than what we just see on the screen. But what's on the screen is not enough to make me hate this guy. I'm, and I'm just like, yeah. Jesus, like, like, give, give, give your your brother-in-law a fucking break and like take his hand out. Like, it sounds like it's a it's good not thing. even a handout. He wants him to work for him. I know, I know. It's not I a know. handout if it's a fucking job. You still have yes. to do work, unless it's with the Trump administration. <laughs> we got to get these jokes well, in under the wire. Biden's going to go in yeah, there any yeah, day no. now and start redoing <laughs> the wallpaper. I, and, and it's it's so weird. I it's weird because I feel like we we keep hating <laughs> Martin Eden, and I, I just like I, I understand this idea as it as a tragedy in a sense, but the more that I think about individual moments, I just find this guy uh, so annoying that then the counteracting uh, reflections of socialism in these kind of interspersing parts away from his perspective, like I, I, I guess I I just. Uh, I have trouble uh, crossing those in the way that I feel like the film wants me Wait, to. Is this a tragedy? I, yeah. I, like, are we I, supposed yeah, to I mean, feel bad about this, like, pure character being sullied and having a downfall? He's yeah, not. I, I, I wouldn't say he's pure, but no. I would say he used to enjoy things. Maybe. Once again, <laughs> politics will sap your ability to love anything. Well, I, Ryan, I, I'm sorry. I feel like I ranted there a little bit, but I, I'm curious. What do you make of someone like uh, his um, his introduction to Maria and the way the film draws further away from working class uh, labor and, and some of that, like him then being more likable? <laughs> like it's it, it's very strange to me, given some of his behavioral choices. See, I don't think it actually withdraws from, like, it may be, I, I think that it's irregular, purposely irregular in how it doles out those scenes of him actually doing work. Uh, like, you have those, obviously, the scenes early on of him laboring, and then you have, but but I think that you, like, see some of the, mo- some of the more concentrated scenes of work when he goes to Maria, and, and like, when he goes to live uh, in Maria's house. And I think that that's the reason why she takes him in, is because she needs someone to help to to labor and i think that that's uh i think that provides in and of itself its own uh like it's like i think that that is the essence of the work that he knows how to do and that the work that he wants to do that what you could call honest labor i think that that's the like even though even in the second half for uh for obvious reasons uh that that work disappears i think that it's still there for a good 
uh, for at least half the film. I think that, um, I, and you do see more and more as he becomes more ingrained in a set sort of mindset. I think that it goes more into him sort of declaiming and giving speeches and whatnot. But I think that that work never, that work doesn't disappear until basically the last uh, 30 minutes or so. Hmm. I guess part of that work, I, I assume um, his writing then starting to be published in magazines. Are, are you including that in the, I, I just want to get a sense. Uh, that's, I, I mean, I would call that honest labor. Is, is that included? Oh, in, well, like, I mean, I'm, that, 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 that is honest, honest labor, but no, I mean more, I guess, physical labor, uh, uh, not to impugn the honesty of writers. Uh, no, we're all I, crooks. I, <laughs> Anyone who works an intellectual job is a thief and should be put to death, really. Like, if you're not chopping down trees or melting steel, uh, no matter what some eugenicist film critics on Twitter might say, uh, you're not a real worker. <laughs> oh, oh, I can say that because that is literally my job is like just sitting in a room and like pushing you know I, I, I make a good sum of it I'm raising a daughter on it but like sometimes I think about my job and I'm like this job is bullshit like and most of the jobs that surround <laughs> me are complete and utter bullshit and the fact that like this is work that's valued more than like picking the food that feeds America is like a real just kick in the face of people who do stuff that we actually need to live. Sure. So like, I don't know why I felt like I had to go off on a tangent about that just because Ryan said he didn't want to agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I think, I think, I think that without saying that he gets away from manual labor towards the end of the film um i i I do think that there are a fair amount of scenes of of him doing labor right like i i think that doesn't need to be rehashed too much so i mean you know i think i think we we can understand and and get this sense that while he's with maria while he isn't uh, you know, sitting down writing with uh, the pages up drying on on what what is he doing there? Why he is he doing be drying? That? I mean, I've used a typewriter. It's not like it uses liquid ink. It's no, a ribbon. No, no, no. I, I mean, I understand <clears throat> what he's doing. He's handwriting and then typing it out, right? So, those oh, is he? I have no freaking idea. Yeah, that's that's what he does early on. Um, and so I think those are his handwritten pages that he's letting, I guess, the ink dry. I, I, I thought understand. he was like, you know, like if you're a novelist, you uh, you have like your pegboard and mm-hmm. you're like, you know, you've got your little character cards and your beats that you want to hit and you can move them around on the corkboard. I think I think I his 15,000 word limit is is not not giving itself to that kind of uh, uh, stuff. I think he's he's mainly writing like essays at that point. I mean, 15,000 words is a long, it's like almost a novella. Yeah, it's, it's pretty long. It's a, it's <laughs> is like, that? Write, go okay. fucking sit down and write 15,000 words, Bill. It's difficult. <laughs> Gosh, Bill. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus. How dare you? I don't know. Maybe Shirley Jackson's The Italian. Lottery is only 3,378 words. Okay. And think about everything that goes on in that story. Fair enough. Thank you, Google, for actually returning that word count to me super quickly. So what you're saying is we should throw rocks at Martin Eden. I wish someone would. 
It would have. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you're supposed to like the guy. So I feel like me saying like, yeah, I wish people would throw rocks at him. The movie is a success. I, I do feel like the film is definitely showing this as a tragedy, though. I, I, I think like my issue with calling it a tragedy, though, is I don't feel bad for him. Sure, like like but like but, the I mean, villain it, falling into a volcano at the end of a James Bond film isn't a fucking tragedy, you know. Like sure. Voldemort getting poofed at the end of Harry Potter is not a tragedy. Something bad happened to someone, but maybe they deserved it, and maybe they had ample opportunities to turn away from it. It's not a tragedy in my mind. Like a tragedy, I feel requires either some kind of dramatic irony or some level of empathy. And this is just like, if this shitty guy does shitty things, he's going to end up a shitty person with a shitty life. And he does. And it's good that he does because fuck him. <laughs> yeah, but he turns he into a literal succeeds. ghoul. Like, have you seen he his wildly, hair and his teeth? Yeah, but, he wild, oh, but have you considered how good he looks with that hair? No, because he looks <laughs> awful. He looks, he looks like amazing. If he you've ever amazing. watched like an anti-smoking cartoon PSA, oh, like geez. when a character takes a puff on a cigarette and then like all the color drags out of them as though they themselves were the ash on the tip of the cigarette, that is what he looks like. He looks like a cigarette that got came to life, got smoked, and was tossed in a gutter. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Was Luca Marinelli ever in one of those uh, PSAs? I looked him up. Apparently Not he was in the once. old guard. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he was. That's a bad movie. I never watched yeah. that. So Oh, I like that movie. It's real boring. I've heard <laughs> that's, that's I've heard a boring different, movie, right? <laughs> I've heard different things from different people and the people I've heard good things from, I don't trust and I usually don't agree with their opinion, so I never watched it. <laughs> Wait, does that mean you trust me because I said it's bad? So therefore uh, you trust my opinion. No, no he no, 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 no. said No, no, Michael said the good me. things he heard <laughs> Were from people that he doesn't necessarily trust. Oh, that's true. So yes, bad things. So the therefore, bad things I heard from a mix of people, but there property. was such a plurality that I had to, you know, just accidentally go with what Michael said. Emily, <laughs> okay, sure, sure. But yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I don't want to. I th- again, I think that effectively, Luca Marinelli pulls off what he is asked to pull off in this movie. Uh, I just think that I hate it, and I don't want to see it. And um, but that's that's on me, you know, like, obviously, Sean, you liked it. Bilga liked it. Other people have liked it. Um, It's got a high rating on on the old Rotten Tomatoes, which is a, a terrible way to gauge how good a movie is. But it does let you know it's, the critical consensus. It's got a hell of a line on uh, on its Wikipedia of where it states that it has grossed zero dollars in North America. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Why? Do, why, why is yeah, that in why there? bother putting that like that just seems mean. <laughs> By now, it's bound to have made some money. Oh no, it's definitely made like 2.8 million in other territories. No, I mean like in like, North America because it oh, got released yeah. on the the whole virtual cinema. Yeah, finally, right. So like so, at okay. least one person had to have accidentally bought this. But I mean, like even beyond that, I think that like there has been an excitement for this yeah, movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Jordan was, was super excited shame. for us to talk about it, and he's going to listen to this episode, and he's going to shed a tear. And then he's going to send a goon to beat me up. <laughs> well, I hope he doesn't send one to beat me up. No, you liked it. So he's going yes, yes. to... Why, why, why are we casting Jordan as, as a Trump troll? As a goon like, what, sender? I don't even yeah. think Trump has goons that he sends to beat people up. I don't up. know. 
I, 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 he's in debt to the goons. Let's be honest. <laughs> the goons refuse to work until they remitted payment for previous beatings. Uh, oh my god! Uh, no, Jordan will uh, be sending you, Ryan, a nice fruit basket. Oh, lovely! Very happy. In the middle, do I get a fruit basket? The too? melons will be pre-cut. You're gonna get a fruit basket, but it's only gonna be honeydew. Oh god, damn it! <laughs> Honeydew, look, all right. No, Bill, you can't come out in favor of honeydew right now. That's, it's, it's, no. Come on. It's no, correct. Jesus, honeydew. You're not going to say it's like your favorite. uh, No, no, but it's, it's, (laughs) this reminds me of like people. Durian. People, people, uh, (laughs) uh, people maligning uh, the, the fruit. Uh, was it fruitcake? Like always talking about like like fruitcake. You gave me fruitcake. Like all, all this like I think it's uh Christmas and like you know or, like congratulations. You know here's a fruitcake. And okay, I if had anyone, a fruitcake. If anyone has ever given you a fruitcake, that person at some point it when you were running you. late secretly hoped that you were in a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> I like fruitcake, so I don't know what the fuck is going on. Well, if it, I get a it, fucking fruitcake, I'm sending it to you. Yes, you can thank send you. me marmalade. I'll, I'll send yes, you a fruitcake. <laughs> Ryan, what is your fruitcake opinion? Uh, I don't think I've had it. Okay. It's not good. It's bad. It's one of those things that, like, when people were poor, like, universally, you know, like when there there was coal dust coming down with the rain, people were like, oh, it's a fruitcake. It's good because they're dry, so they won't go bad. And the cake is technically calories we can eat to keep us staved off from starvation for another day. And then it became, you know, a holiday tradition. And then finally, someday someone woke up and said, is it gauche to say that I fucking hate fruitcake? And then everyone said, no, we all hate it. And the universal delusion was shattered. Except I, for I Bill. I feel like Great British Bake Off is trying to rehabilitate it. I have not oh, yeah. seen that show and I am not going to watch it now. <laughs> I have seen okay. eight seasons of it, so I am an expert on yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm up to date. I am up to date as well. So yeah, it's uh, fruitcake looks looks delicious in in that show as well. There's lots of different versions of it. Yeah, I'm all about it. So I don't know. Uh, so Ryan, what do you make of what do you make of Elena? We haven't talked a lot about Elena. Um, I, I think it's really interesting that we start with a pretty traditional structure. Uh, mm-hmm. with her before uh, <laughs> I don't I don't even know how to describe how that becomes uh, I let's just say that I feel deep misfortune for anyone who feels something for Martin Eden like let's say Margarita <laughs> mm-hmm. that poor poor woman oh man it's funny that everyone else in the movie ages like 10 years and Margarita looks exactly the same. <laughs> yes. Like Martin Eden looks like the smoked cigarette, as we talked about. Elena looks like she's probably got a grandkid or two in preschool that she's got to pick up Jeez. and feed them fruitcake. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> and Margarita's there like, man, yesterday sure was fun. Oh, my God, Martin, what happened to your face? <laughs> yeah she she does not look like she's aged at all they didn't change her hair color they didn't do hardly anything to her um she she is on instagram by the way i found her 
What? Why did you find her? I googled her name because I, I couldn't tell which character was which, and like her IMDb. <laughs> I understand. And that. her IMDb is like not populated with a photo, though she is apparently in a movie called Once Upon a Time in Bethlehem. Um, okay. It came There's out. A lot this, of films. It's it's a prequel to Tarantino. <laughs> It's a a thief and a priest end up magically transported to the year zero's Palestine where they have to make sure the nativity follows its course. Mm. course. Um, I don't know. I, you know, that could be great. It could be terrible. But so like, yeah, I Googled her and they was like, Hey, this person on Instagram has that name. And I was like, there's no fucking way it's the same person, but uh, it totally is. Yep. It sounds less like it could be Zionist. Hopefully. It's in Palestine. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, so, Ryan, what do we uh, think about Malena or Elena? Elena. <laughs> Margarita and Elena. Yeah, Malena. Yeah. Well, I think that it's nec- like I think that the film necessarily, besides Martin and to some extent Brissenden, I think it makes basically all of its others characters sort of more archetypes or more representatives for like their for like a, a set way of life whether it be working class or or part of the bourgeoisie so i think elena in large part functions as that i think that like that that's largely her role i think that and the film purposely i think sets it so clearly tied to martin's perspective that it's hard to necessarily get a read on what motivates her aside from like maybe a few interstitial shots here and there, but I don't necessarily like, I think maybe it's, I I wouldn't say that's necessarily a weak, a weakness to the film. I think in some ways it works quite well. And I think that, that, uh, the actress, um, Jessica Cressy, I think, uh, yes, I think that she does a really, I I think she does an amazing job, especially in, in how just Marcello shoots her, like there are some sort of uh, some letter reading scenes that are like out of Truffaut's Two English Girls or something yeah. like that, where it's just her direct, like um, reading the letters directly to camera, in which it gives a certain sense of the character or a sense of the way in which she thinks and how she feels. That's entirely that that necessarily is uh, absent elsewhere. I think so. I think in that sense, I think. It, um, her character works quite well. I don't know if it's necessarily as richly drawn by as uh, some of the others, but I don't think it necessarily needs to be. I, I, so does that suggest uh, the, the fact that you're saying uh, they're kind of static archetypes or at least, you know, uh, very myopic representations mm-hmm. uh, in the vision of, of Martin? I, so does that suggest to you that Martin Eden is is very fluid uh, in terms of his class transitions because I I think I, I guess that's that's weird to me if that's what it's trying to go for because uh, ostensibly that makes sense but until we get that you know time uh, mm-hmm. shifts right right till the end he is uh, he's in the same class structure he's still dealing with you know it's like the orsini family can't get rid of him because of uh that their youngest daughter is is dating him like it's Mm -hmm. it's i i guess that that's a little bit 
weird for me about what I should do with Elena and Margarita in a way that I think uh, Russ Brissenden like makes a lot more sense to me. Like I, like that archetype uh, mm-hmm. is is kind of. I, I mean, Bill already spoke about this one guy who's a you know a friend of the Orsini family who's like, call me up, <laughs> I'll mm-hmm. give you a job, <laughs> and instead he goes to Brissenden, you know, who takes him to a. Uh, I don't know. It's like. I would say it's a brothel, but it's it's like a it's like a nightclub. I, I, it's a nightclub with some certain vibes. Sure, sure. Michael, have you just never been to a nightclub? <laughs> I have never been to a brothel. No, no, Brian. No, I think, all, I think all nightclubs have a little going. bit of a brothel vibe to them. Yeah, I have. I've been to. You know, I haven't been to big nightclubs. I've been to nightclubs, but they have been in smaller cities. Like the thing about Chicago nightclubs, you have oh, to yes, dress please. up. You have to like really fucking dress up. And I don't want to fucking dress up. <laughs> I like I like wearing hoodies. I like wearing shorts. <laughs> sometimes I sometimes I, I wear a, a button up shirt. Uh, <laughs> well, look at you, Mr. <laughs> Fancy Man, with your pearl buttons and your your I your cufflinks. Never, I have never had a job where I had to wear a suit and tie. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that is how I'd like to keep it. <laughs> what are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Night We're talking about you- how you're a bourgeois something centrist. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to think of the most insulting, like, political things I knew. And uh, I feel you could should have said undecided. I think that. <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, like, Twitter has proven to me that centrist is the worst thing you can call someone. Have you all not realized that? I I don't know. Uh, Twitter is. (laughs) Twitter is not real life. Just remember that. I don't know. (laughs) Twitter's a bubble. I love my bubble, but it's a bubble. I like fruitcake, so I'm I'm gonna see myself out of this conversation. Yeah, Bill's got nowhere oh, to talk about nothing. That's an island. That's not even a <laughs> <laughs> fucking stranded over here. There's just sharks send me your it. send me your fucking fruitcakes. I'll I'll live on this island. It's not even a big <laughs> island like Honolulu. It's yeah. like Sentinel Island. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's it's, it's, it's a twelve so. by twelve parcel of land with sharks swimming around it. <laughs> Yes. Have we seen that? What is it? Is is it Geico that has that uh, car insurance commercial or something like that? They have the a couple just, of them, yeah. Well, no, the guy like just drives around like a little island to get like all his food and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's a great commercial because I would like to live on that island. <laughs> I have no concept of what you're talking about. Okay, that's all right. Martin Eden. Um. <clears throat> I have I have nothing else to say. Someone else say something. <laughs> uh, Ryan, how much have we disappointed uh, disappointed you? We had we had such a, a a lovely conversation about once upon a time in in Hollywood, and you you tested your luck a second time. Yes, and- I did. I mean, I, I was I was I mean, I I did remember some there being some uh, tangents on that one, but uh, <laughs> there was definitely more in this one. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, like I mean. It, it, Obviously, there are like many more narrative elements to something like the like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, but 
so in that way it makes it somewhat easier to discuss it in just the terms of oh this is what happened and how do we feel about this and so on and so forth but i think that what martin and i think that something that the films the the two films do share and i and uh I, th- I think that they're both wonderful at this is that they have such a strong sense of texture and how that texture can sort of inform the way in which you view the film how your perceptions of the film can shift from moment to moment and uh i think that the i i, I mean i think that that's just like something that's inherent to the film just inherent to the way it's like just so lustrously shot on 16 millimeter uh, amidst the sort of archival elements that are uh, spliced in throughout and and i think that the that something that's so key to and i mentioned before the this the way in which it inflects the archival segments inflects and sort of transform our sense of what martin's gaze is but i think also they have there's just something that I find very moving about them and like how they the function of them can sometimes be very clear. Like there are, there are these ones like frequently in the scenes that he has with his sister, Julia, that it, it, it cuts to footage of a, a young boy and a young girl dancing, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. I, which obviously it's like the, the function of that is much more clear than say when there is this just a scene where he's, walking down a street and it cuts to some like it's it's unclear whether it's meant to be this sort of archival footage or it's something or it's him working with a different type of film stock where it's of of this girl just in the street and you don't see marinelli in the shot but like it very clearly seems to be from his point of view that sort of sudden shift is i think very endemic to what martin eden's fundamental approach is and definitely worth noting that 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 sense of experimentation has been in uh, Marcello's work before, and like you in his previous film *Lost and Beautiful*, I think it was basically all shot on this expired film stock, and it looks gorgeous. Mm. So there are those sort of elements all swirling inside uh, Martin Eden that I that I find it that I find to be very key to what makes the film uh, work for me, or like so, what what colors it so. So so are we supposed to think that he shot all that? And that that isn't actually archival footage, or is it is it kind of left to, to us? I mean, it sounds like he's he's gone this route before, where he's made an entire film based on kind of expired uh, film stock, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I definitely think that it's meant to be sort of it's meant to be ambiguous. I think there are some that are more obviously archival footage, like the like like a sort of rally that you see at the beginning of the film. Um, mm-hmm. and, and some that are that are clearly much more like m- more ones that were shot for the like ones showing Mart what appears to be Martin Eden as a child writing his like practicing writing his name in in class, which again another sort of uh, another structuring element that links his so- sort of base education to the one that he receives throughout the film, or of him or of a boy maybe it's Martin maybe it's not just walking on a pier. Um, which mm-hmm. is sort of a, like a recurring image throughout the film. So I think that it's definitely it 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 is ambiguous, and I think that it's very that that sense of ambiguity also shifts. So I, I definitely think that I knew that going in, but I think that it is sort of uh, it, it's never meant to be just one thing or the other. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's not supposed to be obvious whether it is or is. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Brian, do you happen to know if he artificially uh, colored the that footage by chance? Uh, is it? I, I'm not sure whether I'm projecting oh, a certain yeah. color coding quality to uh, you know I'm, I'm sure it's not quite as uh, yeah, you mean- universal in terms of w- which colors mean which but I, I just wondered that well I mean tinting I, I, I'm sure that sure. some of the footage was already tinted maybe he tinted also or like or you know distressed or restored it to you know like sort of a guy Madden fashion to make it to make it like more of a unified aesthetic so I, sure. I think that it's I, I can't say that for certain I do think it's worth noting that like that I think that the, that the film is 1.66 to one, whereas you know, all like silent film was almost exclusively 1.33 to one uh, aspect ratio. So mm-hmm. there, so obviously he had to reformat it and and such to make it to make it fit. Um, so definitely, definitely, there's work been done on the archival footage as well. I can't say to the extent uh, what ex- to what extent. Hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I do think uh, I, I I will say if there's one formal thing, I, well, there's a couple of things. One, I like the use of extreme close ups with Elena, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in those early scenes. I, I think they do a good job in, in showing how you get entangled with someone. But uh, I, I particularly like that those that archival footage we're talking about. You already mentioned Guy Madden, but I was thinking of Bill Morrison. Uh, oh, yes. Well, uh, you know, who's treating footage like that. Um, I, I think what's what's interesting about those is it's, you know, you can make connections about what you're seeing and whether it's meant to be a flashback. But just as often as I've kind of alluded to, I, I feel like so many images in that uh, feel like a, a model of socialism in a way, like uh, like something that's not distorted by martin eden's own like you know megalomaniacal uh mm-hmm. lens like mm-hmm. I, I so i i do find that so interesting in the fact that and to bring color tinging into that as well there's some fascinating things in the sense of you know like there's a blue boat that recurs mm-hmm. throughout and that sinks oh you mean end. the one that sinks like, when he's at his lowest point <laughs> well I, I think it's more linked to to the death of Brissenden, uh, but yeah, I didn't think it was his lowest point. I thought it was Brissenden as well. But mm. uh, Brian, we—I I know you want to. I mean, I hated the archival footage. It was so fucking dumb. I hated it. There's not. It's. I just didn't like this movie. Like I get. Like that's just where I've got to like. I just can't. You know. Like I didn't like the archival footage. Again, like with the boat sinks, and I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. Thanks for underlining that one for me, movie. Like, I think that if you if you you can't pull off or you shouldn't be allowed to do stylistic things like that if you haven't clearly already nailed down like the themes and the expressive emotions and the arcs of your film. And so to to have a film that to my eye is so lacking in any actual substance and then have it do those little things i also thought that the close-ups of him and elena didn't come off as like artful or or aesthetically tied to any kind of point of view they just really they felt just bad like they just looked like bad filmmaking to me and um 
And I just I just didn't like it. So all those things I just didn't like. I, I think that if you're going to have a movie like this, you really do have to like sink your bit into the well of like the real world and real politics or you have to go super obscure in order to tell a personal story like something like transit does Mm -hmm. and this this movie is not interested enough in the characters to overcome its complete and utter muddying of its like own political ideology and seeming lack of interest in like actually exploring it or interrogating it so but I think end, it is repeatedly interrogating it with the exact archival footage you're talking about. It's part of the arc. That's mm-hmm. what I would say. So is it it's like saying that be, socialism does suck? Like what's no? Because it believes in. But the archival footage is almost all like just bad stuff. It just all looks awful. It all looks like you mean you mean the content or like the like what's being depicted or the actual like the actual footage itself like the the aesthetic appeal of it i mean like you know the film looks degraded and everything but i'm saying the stuff that is being shown is almost to a t like just very depressing soviet era looking like people just doing their best with the bullshit they've got except for the boat that's sinking because the boat's sinking so yeah I, w- I would say it's some of the most uh like alive footage of anything we see all, all of right. the a working class Italians we see repeatedly, like they are shown through this certain lens of like brutality and this certain like, you know, severity that uh, Martin continues to focus on uh, in, in ways that people like, you know, uh, uh, Julia like finds, you know, alienating and things. I, I think it's that archival footage, in fact, that you know, I, I can't speak to where it came from, but I do think it's the most nostalgic and, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's odd that you're speaking of that as depressing. Cause I feel like those, you know, certain like kind of, uh, mental flight flights of fancies are, are kind of the moments that he, uh, seems like most, most sure of himself in a way like i i do think that this is supposed to be very intentionally muddy in terms of the politics because i i think a number of these characters are to to bring up bubbles as we're talking about a number of these characters are living in such a way that uh, they're not even thinking about the meaning of their own political allegiance in the sense of, you know, the Orsini's, uh, I believe it's their friend, mm-hmm. um, you know, who who is speaking and, uh, and Martin asked uh, the the patriarch and uh, this guy, you know, are, are, do you consider yourself liberals and, and things? And yes, like uh martin is like lecturing them in in kind of an unbearable way to be honest but like it also i think underlines the sense that so many of so much of this uh political theory has no basis in like practice um or is not being viewed in in context with the people it actually affects Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, 
I'm I'm a little bit tapped out on this movie as well. I think I I don't know. I I think the more the more you know a little check in here. The more we kind of discuss it, the more I am becoming disenchanted of this film. So um, yeah, I mean, you st- what was weird about your initial impressions was I feel like you immediately came off with like I didn't really like this movie, and then you talked mm-hmm. about it. And then you said, also it treats its women poorly. So I guess I sort of liked this film, but, uh, you know, there were parts yeah. of it that I didn't like that much. And I'm like, you, what, you started, you started in a whole different place. You ended a different one and now you're back to where you initially I, I, said you were. I, I think I was just mad about the way it treated women in this, in this particular film. I think film. that that's, so. I, I, to, I don't, you know, I, I think that the, I think that, that Martin treats women poorly. I don't know that the movie is down with what he's doing. I, it does it does kind of make it, but I was also going to say like also it was a time and place when women were undervalued but like I don't know what time this is really taking place in um, so uh, it's hard for me to say that but I you know I think that I mean it, to me it was a little this is another well, shitty I, thing I, about I, Martin as a character is like he leaves his like bourgeois girlfriend with her rich family and everything and then goes back to the lowly waitress who he he Ridicule. sort of insulted earlier in the oh, movie. Oh, that wasn't sort of insulted. Yeah, that's not sort of. He just didn't do it to her face, but he definitely fucking insulted her. Um, but then and- he also kind of used it as a, as a cudgel against Elena because he's like, if she spoke to you, you wouldn't even understand her. Like kind of giving her shit about her like need for perfect grammar. Now she was always correcting sure. him. So yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's like, it's, it's, it is, it is that guy who's like, I need an authentic girlfriend, one who's a waitress or a bartender. Yeah. Like, I can't yeah. date a lawyer. I need a girl with some. I was gonna say blood on her hands, but that's not what I meant. Uh, here you go. It's it's right in the film. Some some uh, dirt under her fingernails. Yes, that's what I meant to say. Not yeah. not saying that she was guilty of blood. crimes. Yes. Yeah. Um. But I, I think I think it's not just Martin Eden. Although yes, that is where this mainly comes from. But it's also the way that uh, Briss kind of treats women and tells him how to treat women. That he needs to find someone that is is either able to intellectually challenge him or sure. take care of him and i was just like what like why like, can't Chris it be a everything? piece of shit too like all yeah, again like, to go on a tear but all these intellectual people suck like there's yes, but but that's that's what this film is populated with so i don't yeah. get a lot of and i mean his 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 uh, brother-in-law hears something against him. Apparently, hits his wife. Right? Like, yeah. so there's For that stuff that her brother does. Yes, that's not fair at all. <laughs> yes, I agree. I so, will say though yeah, that there's there's there, a point there is, there's a point ahead. in a movie like this where like you you have everyone treating people shitty, and then if you did have like one picture perfect couple in there, it would feel I won't say out of place, but kind of pandering. So like, sure. you do the, have the, to the, sort the of lean into. Everyone sucks. The, the, the picture perfect couple is the one of the wife that uh, is now a widow who's who's like building, uh, I guess, napkins. Yeah. So, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful napkins, Bill. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. So, yeah, there, there's there's at least that happy couple that is no longer a couple. Um, well, God took him, you know, that's yeah, exactly that's that's what I'm saying. There was like, one good man in Italy and God took him away from. <laughs> them. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Like uh, that, that just really rubbed me the wrong way that, that the way that he treats Elena and the way that he treats, um, uh, Margarita. I can't, yeah. Margarita. Um, who, we don't even learn her name until like way into the film until I think the flash forward really. Um, I never I believe so. Uh, yes. Yeah. I was just like, Jesus. Okay. Her name is Margarita. All right, fine. Cool. Thanks for letting me know that now. Um, so there's that, but yeah, I think, I think that's the main reason why I was, I was kind of just, you know, a little, a little angry with the film and that peppered into my initial impressions, uh, more than anything. So yeah, I, I, I still found Martin's journey in a lot of ways interesting. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I think how little it actually does with that, um, that idea and, yeah, I mean, it's it's politics are a little shallow, and it's and some of the things that it has on its mind are a little bit shallow. But um, you know, I wouldn't expect that anymore with all the tangents that this film ends up going down. Um, whether it's a film strictly about like the creative artistic process, or if it's a film about socialism and maybe not socialism. And uh, maybe it's the film or a film about someone pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and like, you know, making a name for themselves. Or is it a film about uh, someone becoming famous for writings and things that they did when they weren't famous and now they're bitter about it? Like this film's or just fucking love. Like this film's got a lot love going the on. Key. Yeah, love is the key. Uh, this film's got Look, a lot going on. The real Martin Eden was love. <laughs> Jesus, it was, it was the love we found along the way. Yeah, the okay. real Martinita is the friends we made along the way. Yes, absolutely. Okay, full circle. All right, I'm I'm kind of done talking about this movie. <laughs> all right, well, Bill's out, so I, I let's keep going it. until we all pass out. <laughs> I, I think it might be wild for the that. next week. Yeah. Wait, what was that, Michael? I'm I'm gonna rewatch it in the next week, probably. What? Okay. Well. <laughs> No, that's fine. My reaction to that was just to immediately ask why, which is, I don't know why uh, I did that. <laughs> don't be an asshole. No, it's, it's so like, it's, I don't know. I, I think so that, that's the end of the film stage show uh, this week. Uh, <laughs> no, what's funny listening. is that my, so like my daughter, every once in a while, I, I don't want to just like brush her off. So if she comes to me and says like an opinion about something. You know, it's like butterflies are crazy. And I'm just like, okay, you know, that's not helpful. So I ask her why a lot, you know, to see if I can get her to expound. Um, But sometimes I do it automatically, not realizing that what she just said is terrible. And I shouldn't be I should I should be trying to correct it rather than interrogating why she thinks that way. Did your daughter ask about Richard Dawkins? Is that what happened? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You boy, um, no, uh, I'm gonna. I, I, I wouldn't feel right at saying the things that she said that I then immediately asked right, why okay. about on mic. So, anyone who's interested can talk to me about it after the show. Um, Ryan, Ryan, is there is there anything else that you'd like to talk about this movie? I know we've kind of like hijacked the conversation to, you know, uh, joke about it and kind of uh, dunk on it. I hope that you don't feel as though we have been too dismissive and that you have had some sort of fun talking about this. Is there anything that you were like aching to talk about that us in our cynicism have kept you from getting to? Well, I, I definitely could talk about the film more, but I think that the 
main thing I think that's something that ties it together well is sort of the a problem that Bill had with it was the sense of I I, I don't like what you see as sort of tangents and sort of thing like as a sort of uh like just like sort of detours separate detours I think it, that's exactly the point of the film it's about mm-hmm. everything that's involved in Martin Eden's life everything all of these different intertwined uh I ways ways of thinking factors in his life factors in that shape his way of thinking and his economic and social livelihood essentially i think that the it it follows it's purposely following the sort of what the the sort of the how a person's trajectory in conjunction with the arc of a certain sense of the italian century for lack of a better term uh following it to its logical endpoints and offering not necessarily a redemption with that sort of with the sort of coda of him re-emerging seemingly back to back to his, his uh the state that he was in at the beginning as the war is breaking out it's not necessarily a redemption but it's possibly another path that he could have taken or a path that he has been able to reassert himself in i think that it's is purposely does not try to resolve itself in that way and i think that the film's in all of its explorations and all of its ideas and fact and elements within it it's trying to present it all and to inter- intermix them all to to make it to, to make it form this portrait of a of the artist as a young man essentially i think that it's all about that uh that mixture and that's what i find so fascinating and so uh extraordinary about it uh that that's that's why i love it that's why i love the film basically among other things so i think i think it is interesting that you're you're mentioning it it sounds like you're kind of saying that this film is reflective in some of the detours in basically the whole way that martin eden is kind of becoming educated and so all of a sudden all of these things are kind of opening up right right i think that it I wouldn't necessarily say that it's the only way to achieve that. I think that sure. it's the way that Martin Eden uh, achieve, achieves that and in the way that in which education can be both a, a, a constructive and a sort of corruptive element. I think that it does not mm. necessarily say education is bad or education is good. I think it, that it has to be something that's informed by the context in which you're raised, the, the, um, the, what you're actually, cons- what you're actually, reading and digesting and and putting into your own way of thinking i think that all of those elements have to be considered and and marcello is very careful to make sure that they are all in there and that he's not leaving uh leaving something out i think that that's it can maybe be a bit unruly but i think that that's what gives the film uh that much greater greater of a charge i got you okay all right well, that is it for today. Uh, that is our full review of Martin Eden, which again is at virtual cinemas now. So check it out and uh, make sure it doesn't. Of your own. Yeah, make sure it doesn't make zero dollars in North yeah. America. Yeah. yeah, let's let's get that Wikipedia page changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially for Kino Lorber, a great great distribution company. Absolutely. Yeah, like- yes. Yes. So Martin Eden out now. Check it out. Um, that is it for today. 
Don't forget uh, that you could become a patron of this show by going to patreon.com slash filmstageshow and giving us your money. We're also brought to you by Movie. Again, you can get a free 30-day trial of Movie by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. Michael Snydell, what are we talking about next week? Uh, I think we're... Uh, wait, I'm sorry. I need to look because I'm not sure if I can say this. Because <laughs> I think it's Are you something... embargoed? I... We're embargoed about even saying that we might review something. <laughs> well, not, we're not embargoed. I'm just... Double secret embargo. <laughs> um... Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, next week we are going to talk about all three episodes of World of Don Hertzfeld's World of Tomorrow uh, series. Awesome. Uh, the third episode, I guess, just came out, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago. Brian, you actually uh, reviewed it for the site. Was that a, a week ago, two weeks was, ago, two, six it was, months ago? It was ago? about 700 years ago. Okay, great. <laughs> um, I think it was legitimately two weeks ago. It feels like okay. it's been at least two months, but <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure that my daughter wasn't here. I can't remember when she came back from seeing her grandmother. It might have been last week. It might have been two weeks ago. So I'm I'm not sure exactly where you can see all of those, but I would maybe go to Don Hertzfeld's site. And I believe they're all on Vimeo. Yes, uh, I know I, that I you know can I watched... rent them off of Vimeo. Okay, well, Brian knows then. Uh, so, yeah, check those out on Vimeo. It's probably to watch all three, maybe 50 minutes total. Uh, definitely worth it. Yep. I don't remember durations. Okay, yeah, uh, so that'll be next week. <laughs> Sweet, looking forward to that. Um, in the meantime, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. Ryan Swin, where can people find your work online? Well, I have a Twitter, Swen underscore Ryan, that's S-W-E-N, and my site where I collect my various reviews and a ton of lists and other things is Type A Mansions, and my podcast is Catalyst and Witness, in which uh, it's my personal explorations of the New York Film Festival. Um, Very infrequent uploads, aside from the coverage of the year's festival, uh, but episodes are still on the way uh, and they will be very long and hopefully insightful so i brian i wanted to ask too i saw uh scout tafoya uh talk to you and glenn heath uh jr about the san diego asian film festival is that available to everyone is that region locked oh unfortunately the it actually uh was only from october 23rd to the 31st unfortunately so it's it's finished now but uh and he didn't talk to me, but like I just sort of served as uh, publicity outreach. Um, there's been some lovely coverage of the festival, and it was uh, quite it was quite it was quite a strong festival. I'm very happy. This is it. this is what I get when I read a tweet and haven't <laughs> read the article yet. I'm sorry, Ryan. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. No, I, it would, Michael, it no context. Snydell strikes again. <laughs> I, I would make a very poor interview subject, especially on that topic. Uh, but I, but I'm, I'm thankful that he credited me. I didn't do that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Michael. Right. <laughs> Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cablebfg. You can also find me uh, posting on Instagram at billstagram, uh, where I'm 
decently active, I would say. Um, still slowly catching up on uh, the Slack channel. Um, every day now, I get a little bit closer. So, And every day you get a little further from God's light. <laughs> Excellent. Thank Who you. Who doesn't? Oh, boy. Uh, speaking of, Michael Snydell. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Snydell, uh, Letterboxd, whatever. Uh, I, I What did I just review? I just reviewed the Shudder original Blood Vessel, which I wish I could say the movie was as good as that title. But it's about Nazi monsters on a U-boat at the yeah. end. Yeah. I heard uh, it's actually okay. It's, oh, so I get it. It's okay. There's a lot of blood and they're on a vessel. Yeah, you are right. Um hey. Yeah, so anyway, I just reviewed that, and this week I am, uh, and that was on The Spool, and uh, on The Spool this week I am actually reviewing uh, Werner Herzog's uh, Apple TV film uh, Fireball, which is his uh, second film this year after Family Family Romance, I think, was actually at festivals last year, right? and so was Nomad, but Mm -hmm. all of those are available different places uh so yeah herzog is as prolific as ever and i've heard wonderful things about fireball so i'm looking forward to watching that he's also in the mandalorian isn't he uh it was oh well i don't know shit about anything yeah that was last season that's all right no context brian rowan <laughs> i think that that's more like a fundamental lack of curiosity <laughs> brian rowan. that's that's fair the only thing that i i we have almost watched the mandalorian only for timothy oliphant for thirst oh yes and but then we were very like, handsome why not just watch just justified watch, again I, I know emily has not seen justified so we oh. might just watch justified you have done that Um, woman a disservice you son of a bitch (laughs) what about deadwood uh, emily has seen bits of deadwood she doesn't like it that much um she's not a western person at all uh and what the fuck was i saying oh yeah uh cinephiles every week still every wednesday uh, if you're interested in joining, uh, please uh, contact me on Twitter. So she's not a Western uh, person, uh, but you're going to show her Justified. Well, Justified's like procedural slash like uh, Americana. He's got a cowboy hat. There's like three quick draws in the first episode alone. Okay, well, you can you can watch the crazies. He's a marshal, Jesus. Anyway, oh, the crazies. Forgot about that. What about what's the Remake. what's the one where the the guy has the girl and I am number four. No, the girl moves in next door, and she <laughs> used to be in porn or something. The girl next door. <laughs> no, it's I think not. That is what, uh, <laughs> you go straight to hell. The girl next door. That's, that's not, really the that's title. Not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. It's is like that really the title? Are you perfect. fucking with me right now? It is. It is wow. absolutely called The Girl Next Door. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we're out of here. Uh, no, I still have to give my plugs. Um, you can find me on all different social media sites at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, again, I did create a create. I did write a review for World Tomorrow Episode 3, uh, which you can find at filmstage.com, along with every episode of this here podcast. So go check those out. Um, and that's it. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next week. Bye.